Welcome back to The Hit Show. My name is Danny Russell. I am the managing editor of D-Rays Bay, and I am joined, as always, by none other than Rob Snyder's hype man, Darby <laughs> Robinson. Hello, Darby. Hello, Danny. Hello, everybody out there in D-Rays Bay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, baseball's back. Like, not at this exact moment, but like in minutes. You can count it down. hours-ish, maybe, maybe a little less. And we have... 25 players who are definitely Tampa Bay Rays, including your best friend, Rob Snyder, who we <laughs> should get to eventually. Um, but this is a really interesting moment because uh, the 2018 Rays roster definitely looks absolutely nothing like anything we could have anticipated, predicted, or wanted it to be. And uh, I don't say that to, to be depressed that uh, maybe all of your favorite players are gone uh, or my own, um, but this is, if nothing else, an interesting and at best compelling offseason. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's not been it's not been um, boring. I'll say that there's been times of slowness, but yeah, it's been it's been interesting. It's been interesting. There's been lots of changing. There's been lots of shaking up. Uh, obviously, we've we've talked a lot about that and written a lot about how the whole kind of fabric of the Rays has sort of shifted the grounds. Uh, We've had some uh, kind of tectonic shifting of exactly what the Rays are, but um, we're just going to go down the list. I think, right. We are just going to talk about, we have 25 actual Rays. We've been kind of predicting and projecting and like dreaming up who's going to be on the team. We now, I think as of earlier today, actually now finally have, an idea of who these 25 uh, guys are to start the season for the Rays. Yeah. Uh, Very briefly how we got here. Uh, The Tampa Bay Rays 2017 season ended and they offered Alex Cobb a qualifying offer, which he declined. Uh, Evan Longoria was then traded to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Jake Odorizzi was traded to the Twins. Corey Dickerson was traded to the Pirates for a guy named Daniel Hudson and a prospect named Tristan Gray. Only one of those players remains a Tampa Bay Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Steven Souza Jr. was involved in a three-way trade that brought back uh, an infield prospect named Solak from the Yankees and a very important starting pitching prospect named Anthony Banda. Logan Morrison walked. Lucas Duda walked. And now we have scraps on the Tampa Bay Rays roster. Um, but... One player who I don't think is going to be a scrap, and uh, we should start with number one is first base in my mind. Uh, C.J. Crone. How many baseballs are being hit to the Crone zone, and why should I care in 2018? <laughs> so, so you mentioned what we have uh, as sort of scraps, and C.J. Crone. I guess you could you could count him as that. I guess he was acquired pretty cheap because he because a, a little guy named Otani. Uh, you might have might have heard of him. He kind of showed up in in uh, Anaheim, and yeah, he kind of took Crone's spot on the roster and okay. place. So yeah, Otani's he's he's, he's going to be interesting. He's kind of good. He's he's a he's a pretty good at playing the baseball. Um, yeah, so he kind of lost his spot there. You can call him a scrap. I actually think he's a he's the type of guy that the Rays kind of always try to target. Is maybe guys that that haven't. They didn't find their spot on a team, but showed something. And uh, he's he's the type of guy that you look like 
at like say Logan Morrison, who who had a really big year last year, who then walked. I mean, when when Logan Morrison was re-signed, he we thought we were settling for scraps there, and he turned into um, a potential All Star. He almost you know made it to the game. He probably should have been in the home run derby too. Um, he he definitely thought he should have been in the home run derby. Um, <laughs> he hundred percent thought he should be there. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he had some he had some real thoughts about who shouldn't be there too. So that was. Uh, always that's a Lomo Lomo being Lomo, but he was a guy that you could call, Oh, he's a, you know, he's whatever. This is the Rays bar, you know, going to the, the, the trash bin to pick up players and Logan Morrison turned into something great. So they can identify guys that maybe you don't think about as like, this is the star guy. And Crone has a lot of power. I mean, we've seen it in spring. He's launched some pitches to just, I mean, not quite to Bowers esque levels. Cause when Bowers hits, Sometimes he hits a home run in spring and it just goes into oh, places where, yeah, where, where, where Rays have to try to go find, like searching for it somewhere in the parking lot as it rolls yeah. down the street. The employees um, are walking across the roof of the complex. <laughs> you, you said three things. I'm going to park the bus there. Uh, you said one, uh, he is in the mold of Logan Morrison. Two, you said he might be uh, kind of like a trashy pick uh, and three, you mentioned Jake Bowers. And I think uh, all three of those elements are important to discuss because one man's trash is another team's treasure. In this mm-hmm. case, uh, man, the Angels just had no place for a part-time first baseman. And in Tampa Bay, at least in 2018, C.J. Crone will be that. I mean, when the Rays acquired C.J. Crone, they talked a big game and uh, what Topkin, I think, was running at the time was, wow, uh, the Rays are really amped to get multiple years of C.J. Crone. Mm-hmm. I do not want this team counting on multiple years of C.J. Crone. I understand that he has uh, three years left on his contract, but he is not the future. Jake Bowers is the future. And the manager, Kevin Cash, has said that Jake Bowers is the future first baseman. So C.J. Crone is the first of several what seem to be placeholders on this 2018 roster that has uh, the ability to overperform. And I think that's where it fits into the Logan Morrison mold that you're talking about. Uh, the best case scenario, I think, for Crone here is to be a pre-hype Logan Morrison. Mm-hmm. I, think that's, I, think that's, I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, I think with Crone, why you're excited about three years is that you have the potential for three years. Um, you also don't have to <laughs> commit to those three years. I think that's mm-hmm. where it comes in. If, if Crone turns into Logan Morrison, awesome. If he doesn't, whatever. You know, you're, it's a low risk gamble with a potentially huge, huge reward. And so, yeah, Jake Bowers is is the kind of the man in waiting. Um, but he was in the man in waiting last year, and and Logan Morrison didn't give him a chance to 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 get up there. Um, Crone might do the same this year. He might become our DH. It's hard to say, but I think the thing is, you don't need to write that part of the story yet. And you you hope those are good problems. Those are really good problems to have. So you want exciting young talent to take these jobs from these placeholders and you want these placeholders to kind of hold them down in a way you want them to not do it because we're trying to just mm-hmm. you know manage service time and stuff like that but basically be like well i well, what are we going to do you can't bench you know you can't bench logan morrison last year you can't just put him mm-hmm. you know on the side so you you hope cj crone's a guy that can and he has he has you know 30 home run power and there's a potential there that he actually could be a long-term or, or middle-term, I guess, not long-term, but middle-term solution for the Rays, um, but maybe less. But you want that problem. So I think C.J. Cohn's a 
I think he's one of the higher end uh, gambles that the Rays are taking uh, and somebody that really does, has a nice sort of safer floor as at least a useful bat in the DH role and potential for a lot more than that. I think DH is his long-term future with the Rays. If he lasts beyond 2018, the DH in 2018 though, is the other guy who's playing first base in spring training, who I, you know, very kindly pray to the baseball gods and ask, Mm -hmm. please don't let him pick up a glove in 2018. Uh, Poor old Brad Miller who the Rays have counted on and decided to stick with through thick and thin, including at the expense of removing Corey Dickerson from the roster in that humiliating, terrible DFA situation, which we do not need to relitigate. But Brad Miller is still around. If anything, he would be a first baseman, uh, but probably the designated hitter. I think here's – this is an – so Brad Miller, I'm glad we're going to talk about him because this is a guy – I, I'm dying on the hill for Brad Miller. I'm one of very few on our masthead that is that is still supporting him. I'm very few probably yeah. Rays fans that are still supporting him. Um, Tell me your love for the platoon DH. Go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so Brad Miller is not as bad as people think he is, and and he's not as bad as you think he is. And and I and I get it. Last year was not exactly a very. He wasn't good last year. Um, but he actually, I think, is a much better player than people have really given him credit for. He's been worth almost two wins twice, including once in just 76 games with the Mariners. Defensively, yeah, he's he's kind of all over the place. He's also better defensively when you look at kind of, well, watching him and better at what? Kind of the deeper numbers. He's He's got range. He's got he makes really bad glaring errors. That's the thing is when Brad Miller makes a mistake, yeah. it's real bad. It's like, wow, he just he like he will dive for a ball in a hold, grab it, and be able to like get a guy at first, you know, really amazing play, like at shortstop. And then it'll be a grounder, he'll pick it up and he'll throw it into the second row. And you're like, what just happened there? Like what happened between the mm-hmm. two? And that's always been Miller's problem is that he he rates well in 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 UZR and and defensive runs saved because he has good range and he's very athletic. But but he he has so many errors and so many things and it really has dropped him. So he had really bad years in both of those categories with the Rays. I will say that I'm going to push back on yeah. him having good defensive metrics. We do not record uh, this podcast with fan graphs open in front of us. And I will say a good majority of our baseball opinions are developed by the eye test. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't necessarily mm-hmm. rely and lean into uh, a spreadsheet every single time. Uh, sometimes we need to, uh, for instance, uh, what the situation is at second base. It's hard for us to say based on the eye test because uh, I don't know about you, but when spring training games come on at one o'clock Eastern time, even if they are on television, I'm not able to watch those right now. So I have not seen very much of Joey Wendell, uh, case in point. So uh, my opinions and my uh, conceived notions of Brad Miller on defense, uh, I would be willing to bet you uh, a four pack of delicious <laughs> beer uh, some some nice 16-ounce cans of the finest thing you can get your hands on that those defensive metrics do not work in your favor. But let's let's trudge on forward to second base because at, at, at a 1,000-foot level, 
I think everyone expected Brad Miller to be that second baseman. And the Rays uh, did a little bit of digging around and they brought in uh, three different uh, role players to try to uh, come in and, and see what happens at second base. One of them was, uh, was Ryan Schimpf from the Padres, who was uh, designated for assignment, released, and now he's with the Braves. Uh, there was Micah Johnson, uh, who was picked up and uh, very nearly made this Rays roster. And we very much, uh, I think, at our website wanted him to because he's such a fun baseball person. Mr. Lizzie got to sit down with him and did a fantastic interview that you should check out on the site. Uh, he is left-handed at the plate, so he did not make the final cut. And the guy who survived is uh, Joey Wendell, who I'm still not exactly sure what he looks like. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I envision generic white guy. Um, is is he the future defensive stud? Uh, it, it seems like it's going to be a platoon uh, because I don't think the Rays are going to throw him to the Wolves even in the first uh, couple games when the Rays are facing Chris Sale and David Price. I think Daniel Robertson, who has the reps and the experience uh, at second base, will probably get the start on opening day and, and in that first week. But in the long term, the Rays are trusting somebody named Joey Wendell. Good idea, bad idea. Is this another man's trash? What is this player? So when if if Crone is a uh, is a kind of low risk high reward type of guy, Wendell is a just you know high risk maybe medium reward kind of guy. Uh, I don't yeah. think I don't think he's. Here's the thing. I I can't say that I know too much about Joey Wendell. From what I've read, he he you know and looked into his numbers. He has has shown some interesting pop and from all reports, he's actually got a pretty good glove at second base. And I've seen a couple of plays in spring training, but that's, you know, no way to really kind of judge a defensive ability. Coaches seem to like him really defensively at second. I don't know what to really expect from Joey Wendell. Like, I don't know what the bar is. Like, is it like potentially a Jeff Keppinger type of thing where this guy can kind of have a good year for you? Um, I, you know, it's one of those things where he's definitely not a long-term solution. He's here. He's young. He's youngish. He's a, I mean, he's not that young either. He's kind of, he's about to hit 30. I, he's kind mm-hmm. of a guy that's, that's just sort of, season, yeah. yeah, he's, he's kind of here. I, I think it's a, I think it's fine. Like, just like with Ryan Schimpf, it's hard to get super excited. It's also hard to, to really get excited the other way <laughs> i think he's right. a person this, this who's... was a weird flyer that the Rays are just kind of taking i mean yeah. he is uh he was a, a bat first second base prospect in the minors who the Rays acquired because of his defense and that kind of narrative switch makes the record scratch in my head a little bit <laughs> and, and it makes you wonder what's going on because it, the oakland a's who sold him to the Rays, uh they're a smart small market team as well that could definitely use a defensive wonder. And why are they giving him to the race for cash considerations? Uh, if he, if he really is uh, as much as the race brass wants to talk up and the coaching staff seems to trust, uh, that's a big surprise to me. Now, maybe he's just a change of scenery candidate. Maybe he runs away with second base and, and keeps it for himself. But 
I think it's an interesting gamble. It's a roll of the dice in the same way that CJ Crone is to say, do we have something here? Do we have an interesting role player who could stick around? Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, the bet here is that he's hitting, you know, eighth in the lineup as the long side platoon at second base. So let's, let's trudge on forward around. the Nothing nothing too much there to really be like, I, I can't bang the table either way for, for Joey Wendell, Daniel Robertson, platoon. Though I do, I do, before we move on, I do think Daniel Robertson's a guy who we've sort of forgotten about, but he's somebody mm-hmm. to watch for this year. He's still really, really young. Uh, he's 24, I believe. Yep. This guy, before his hamate injury uh, a couple years back, was looking really good, and he was kind of the main piece uh, as a guy we also, also from the Oakland A's uh, mm-hmm. that the Rays kind of targeted, and he... He's for, an interesting for Ben Zobras, and he kind of has a little bit of Zobras in him. He's been basically working out at, you know, he's been doing corner outfield, second base. Uh, he can kind of play shortstop. He can kind of stand there. It's not the best, <laughs> but it prevents you from having to see Brad Miller. So I think you should throw him a parade just for that. Um, so he's an interesting guy. I Again, he's, he's the type of player that I really, I like more than Joey Wendell because I think Daniel Robertson's the guy that will take on any role you need. And going forward, when the team has better starters, I think Daniel Robertson's a really fun bench guy. But yeah, I think he has the potential him. to be kind of like a, a branding guy uh, uh, at the plate. Mm, he does get hit by most of his time off the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The similar profile in that it's way. just a magnet of balls getting just, just really a lot of bruises. Just a lot of bruises. <laughs> And I mean, he's got pythons for arms too. Uh, one of my favorite things about Dana Robinson, he just looks good in a raised jersey. Uh, it, I, I, I have high hopes that he can be the utility player the Rays will need him to be. Um, but w- we really should move over to shortstop, where Adana, Adani, excuse me, Echeverria returns as the starting shortstop. Uh, are you excited about another season of Adani? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I, again, it's, I think he's, uh, why do people hate him? Cause he doesn't hit that much. Um, he, I think he's a very good defensive shortstop. I think, you know, the eye test especially, uh, um, kind of bears that out. I think offensively mm-hmm. he is your, you know, seven, eight, nine hitter. Um, he can get hot. Like he had a nice little hot run at the end of, uh, he did last season where he was just hitting everything and seemingly coming through every time in the ninth with a, with, with a big hit. But, you know, I think you, yeah, you stop my draft position. No, <laughs> you, you hope for just something. Uh, he's not a black hole on, on shortstop. And if he, if he's a guy that gets you in the like 85 WRC plus range, that's really good. And I think he can have a pretty good season, but I think he's just, yeah. uh, he's the guy that's standing in the way of eventually Willie Adamas who's also mm-hmm. in the 40 man. So I think he's, nobody's really that attached to him. So I think he's a good player. I think the Rays are in a fine spot with him starting right now. And he's, he's a kind of just holding, holding the place. Yeah. This is definitely a, a season of players who are placeholders in some way, shape or form. And at Rio's case, it's because this is his walk year. This is the last year of his mm-hmm. major league deal. And next season he will not be there. And does he make the whole season or not? Uh, that really depends on uh, can Willie Adamas push him out? 
And what was interesting to me is that Adamas started working out at second base during spring training saying, I'm trying to break my way into this Rays roster. Please let me in. You know, if the Joey Wendell, Daniel Robertson experiment is not working out uh, and Adamas needs to come up, he can either force his way into shortstop and push Echebrilla over to second or claim second base for his own. But I, I sincerely believe that uh, Echebrilla does not get enough credit for his defense. Uh, and I think that's because he has such incredible footwork and first steps that he gets to pretty much every single baseball that's hit his way. Mm-hmm. He's really a magnet. And the thing that's bad about that for players, it reminds me of the Corey Dickerson dilemma and left field, is players who can get to every baseball hit their way mean those are players who will not complete every single uh, play that's hit their way. And so there becomes a disproportionate number of plays that maybe are not completed. And if you have two different baseball players and let's say they're both shortstops, let's call one of them uh, Gabaini Blabaduria and the other one Bladruble Slabrera. All right. Mm -hmm. And let's say one of them gets to nine out of 10 baseballs every time and completes uh, seven maybe six or seven of those plays. And then the other, uh, Splabrera, uh, maybe gets to six out of ten baseballs hit his way but completes all six. Mm-hmm. Who is the better defensive shortstop? And oh, I, I think, think – yeah. Yeah, I think that's – I think you're I think you setting up to the same point. as like I, I want the guy that can get to the, the baseball. I think – I really I, think that's Echeverria. I think yeah. if, you, if you look for it and you watch for it – and I have not dug into those percentage numbers that are down mm-hmm. the page mm-hmm. in the fielding section, uh, the 0% and 1% to 5% and all that yep. on fan yep. uh, I haven't dug through that. And saying that, I just I, I truly believe that Echeverria gets to those plays. Now, maybe he's hitting ninth, like you're saying. If, if Wendell and Robertson uh, are, are kind of like an eight-hole hitter, Echeverria's our nine-hole hitter, and that's okay mm-hmm. because we don't need the plus defensive shortstop hitting at the top of the order. Um, that, that would be an anomaly. And so I think Echeverria, the Rays are lucky to have him. I think he's going to be uh, turning in another fantastic defensive uh, performance for the Rays. And I think he probably makes the, the whole year unless somebody gets dramatically hurt. And I think uh, it, it's really going to be up to Adamus to force his way onto the Rays roster. And, and there's one other X factor in this conversation that, needs a ton of attention if we're talking about uh, the future of shortstop and second base and how that all shuffles around. And that's third base. And I, I don't even want to talk about it. Ah, yes. Third base. Um, so we've had a third baseman for a, a, a long time. Um, his name was Evan Longoria. You might've heard of him. Uh, he, he had started the last nine seasons uh, on opening day. And this leads me to a, a fun little game with you, Danny. And, uh, oh, and it's no. called name that opening day third baseman because we've had no. Longoria <laughs> for the longest time. And it's been pretty easy to pencil him in since 2009. It's been Longoria, 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 Longoria. Uh-huh. There have been 10 players, including Longoria. Uh-huh. That have started at third base on opening day for your Tampa Bay Rays slash Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Uh, can how many <laughs> can you name? And people listening to this in their cars 
working out. I want you to try to think of them yourself uh, and guess along. How many can you name? Can you, how many other starting third baseman on opening day for your Tampa Bay Rays and Tampa Bay Devil Rays can you name? <sighs> Wade Boggs. Wade Box, yep. First two seasons for the Rays. Willie Ibar. Yes. The injury that gave us Evan Longoria. Ryan Sandberg. Incorrect. No. Yeah. Did not start the season there, but he had played there. Oh, come on. Yeah. So that's that's okay. That's okay. This is really tough. So anybody at home that's driving, if you think you're like, oh, I... I can not rattle this out. You can get to three, I think. And then you start to really... No, you can get to four. I bet most people can get to four. Aubrey Huff. Correct. Twice, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Vinny Castilla? Yeah. Hit show. Hit show's own Vinny Castilla. Gotta rip the hit show. Yeah. Oh, man. There's this some, there's some blast from the past in here too. One, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a hint on this one. Green shirts underneath a, a weird vest that I need to pull out of. Uh, <laughs> one of them is uh, featured in one of the most iconic pictures, video clips, whatever. Oh, in history. Akinori. Yeah. All right. All right. That, that's enough for me. What are, who am I missing? Yeah, you're not missing anybody else, really. Um, so you have Alex S. Gonzalez, um, <laughs> famous for booting a ball with the Cubs and uh, in during the Bartman game. Um, yeah. You have the incomparable Damian Rolls. Okay. Uh, and now you have two names who you have Bob Smith. Um <laughs> Bob Smith, uh, who I think was on, I think that somebody that was actually uh, hiding uh, from the mob, and he just walked onto the field and they let him let him start. And then the other one is Herbert Perry, Herbert Perry, who six games after starting opening day for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays was traded. Uh, so they didn't like it. He went on to actually have a two and a half win season that year. So what, um, what an anomaly opening day rosters can be. I'm pretty sure Elliot Johnson's name is penciled in the history of Ray's opening day rosters. There, there's some real, travesty. there's some real ones. You got your Jason Tyners, your, uh, your Brent Abernathy's. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh. But yeah, so got, I think you did pretty well. I think you got, Shut you got the all, the, door. all the ones that actually mattered. So yes. Okay. All right, so well, that's now that's the greatest in Tampa Bay Ray's history uh, takes the field. And a guy who has not played the game of baseball since 2016 when the Rays acquired him to be their everyday shortstop. Uh, Matt Duffy. Yes. Who, soaking wet, does not look like he could find his way out of a paper bag. He is twiggy to, to be generous to his physique. Um, now, I say that, and he could probably level me in one punch. He is a professional <laughs> baseball player. But on the field, I am regularly amazed that this is a guy who hits home run baseballs. Uh, he is still young, though. 
mm-hmm. this is his age 27 season, if I remember correctly. Correct. And uh, he is a student of the game. Uh, the Rays are a, a really interesting uh, combination of uh, coaches this year who all seem like they could be a manager one day. And to hear people talk about Matt Duffy, uh, he is a leader in that clubhouse uh, when it comes to uh, being a thought leader and really studying and being uh, diligent and coaching others and helping them through their struggles. When he was not playing baseball in 2017, uh, according to right off on MLB.com, uh, Matt Duffy was in, in the video rooms, just chilling with dudes and, and working on swings. And people really think Duffy has a long future in this game. And I don't know uh, if it's fair that he is the opening day third baseman, because I, I think I'm automatically going to hate him. Mm-hmm. I think that I think it's very fair to be have that backlash against somebody that's not named Evan Longoria. Um, I think that's that's tough. I think it's not Matt Duffy's fault, obviously. Um, but I actually do think we're going to be really, really happy to see Matt Duffy. Uh, we the Rays Rays fans have not really gotten a, a extended look at, at, at Matt Duffy and what he can do. And he's a really good player. He's a he is a guy that is not scraps. He was the main piece, along with Lucius Fox, uh, who's a very, very good prospect, one of the Rays, you know, top 10 in many lists prospects, organizational prospects uh, from the Giants for Matt Moore. So he was a a big, big time ad. um, And. Yeah, he lost uh, kind of the end of 2016 to injury and and pretty much all of 2017. um, Well, all of 2017 in the majors um, to injury and rehab. So it's been a he's kind of it's been a while since we've kind of realized what we've had. And we haven't really even got that big of an introduction. We got a, 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 you know, hi, how you doing? And then he was he was gone. But Matt Duffy is a guy who not that long ago. had a nearly five-win season. And he has one of the slickest gloves. I mean, this is a guy that came up as a shortstop who has been able to play kind of all over the infield. And when he was the starting third baseman for the Giants in 2015, he put up great, great numbers. Now, he was, you know, and also highlight plays. So he is a fun guy to watch man the hot corner. Um, and He has a World he, Series ring as a yeah. third baseman. yeah. And and he and he's he's uh, got a bat that's competent. It definitely is more towards the Rays' modern kind of contact oriented approach. So he's kind of like the 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 type of guy that they really want. They really want to go high contact approach. Matt Duffy is the king of that. He is. You know, I've, I've been thinking about that. I think that's an interesting point. So the Rays have been focusing on. Uh, a certain kind of player this season that flies in the face of 2017, which was not a successful enough team. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 2017 race fell apart uh, across the board. All of the great hitters just stopped producing. And those hitters were high strikeout, more than 25% strikeout rates, home run hitting uh, uh, priority, loud contact kind of dudes. Mm-hmm. who your hope is they will keep up with the juice ball. And there's been a pendulum swing the other direction. And the question is, how intentional is this? Because the three options are the Rays have purposefully gone out there and said, wow, that high strikeout thing didn't work. We're going to let 
Logan Morrison and Corey Dickerson and Evan Longoria and Lucas Duda walk. Mm-hmm. And we are instead going to try to cut our strikeout rate by 10% and, and really go for these contact oriented hitters. Or it's, you know, maybe just happenstance. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, oops, we put together a roster and oh, dang, would you look at that? Um, you know, I guess we didn't use Ryan Schimpf and instead we're using this Joey Wendell guy instead. Look at that. Uh, they all happen to be contact hitters. They did not mean to do that. Or there's the conspiracy theory that the Rays are uh, predicting that the rest of the industry will begin to uh, disproportionately value contact hitters. So the Rays are trying to get out in front of that and acquire those players now um, to either their own benefit because it will be hard to acquire later or to to trade them later. Uh, of those three options, which do you think is most likely? That it's a deliberate attempt. I don't think the Rays just – they're not a type of team – I mean, I don't know really any teams – right now in baseball are teams that just are like, ah, let's try stuff and see what happens. And like, what, what is this team? We hit, we hit home runs. No, we don't hit home runs now. Okay, cool. Um, No, this was an obviously deliberate attempt. Now it could be a little bit of one and three. It could be a little bit of trying to get ahead of the curve, which is the raise kind of MO, which is all small market teams. MO really. Uh, If you're not saving money, uh, you're trying to get ahead of, where the rich teams are going to be in five years. And I don't think it's necessarily to trade that. I think it's that you do have a potentially juice ball, probably juice ball. Like, let's be honest. It's a juice ball. Like, like everybody, like we just, let's just admit it. Who cares? It's the a live you know, ball era. Yeah. Who cares? It's do it. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves the home runs. Uh, and, and I think what you're looking at is in an era of, of lots of power where power is not expensive anymore. It used to be where you had to pay a lot for power. Now you got like Mark Reynolds is still sitting around somewhere with his like 30 home run bat and 80% strikeout rate. I mean, so you can get power from a lot of people. And so I think the Rays are absolutely making a concerted effort to get contact. And we've seen it throughout the lineup. I think there's no, um, there's no doubt about the, purposeful effort that that is to to make a a big shift i think a lot of the prospects that they've acquired in trades have done that i think a lot of the players they've they've signed or acquired have have been similar to that so i absolutely think that what i mean what are your thoughts are you do you agree or do you think there's something else going on i i actually think it's the uh option you did not mention i'm more willing to say that it's happenstance i think that the rays do have a type of player and they've been acquiring defensive forward players and I think just in the history of the game, those players also just so happen to fit that uh, lower strikeout, high walk contact mold. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Rays put all of their eggs in the defensive basket and said, oh, look at that. It's a contact team. Mm-hmm. And we'll see who of them are successful and we'll see who of them can actually defend. And we'll see if Matt Duffy uh, uh becomes Humpty Dumpty all over again, or if he is a competent, slick-fielding third baseman. Uh, We don't really know which one of those things are. Uh, Whether or not he is or is not, also, uh, we cannot neglect that Christian Arroyo, uh, the key prospect acquired, is coming as well and could force Duffy over to that second base or shortstop role in, in the infield. We don't know the future. Today, we can say that Matt Duffy is the third baseman soon. But we don't know who's going to be hurt. 
We don't know who's going to be cut. We don't know who's going to be traded. And uh, we can only kind of guess at who the long-term pieces are. And right now we can, you know, plant a flag in Matt Duffy. Probably we can mm-hmm. plant a flag in Kevin Kiermeyer. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, the best defensive outfielder in the game who I, I think many are rightly pointing out. He does not necessarily play a full season every year, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely the best. So in, we, in, in our website's opinion. Uh, and that's it. I don't, there's not a lot of other players that are, look to be long term answers. CJ Crone does not uh, uh, project as a long term answer, neither does Joey Wendell. And we have rentals in left and right field. Yeah. So, so let's let's get to the outfield. Um, yeah. Center field, the it's Kevin Fearmeyer. There's the Longoria trade. Yeah, uh, there's longer trade. Okay, do we have to, yeah. or can we just ignore that it existed? And no, because on? we need we need you. I know we both so desperately want to talk about Kevin Kiermaier and his dreamy green eyes. Yes, but yes. Point one, he's taken now. He got married, <laughs> and yep. point two, yep. left field, uh, because Jim Turvey decided to put together the Rays roundtable where uh, we all made bold predictions yes. for the 2018 season. That yes. annual exercise. And uh, my initial take, I sent him back uh, five words, and I was told, that's not good enough. You need to give me more. And so instead, I turned in a paragraph about, uh, or, or three, about Nathan Eovaldi actually pitching a full season. And I think that will be my bold prediction, is that uh, he beats the odds and becomes a competent starter. Um, really the third that we've seen that's had two Tommy John surgeries. That's my bold prediction that uh, Eovaldi succeeds in the, in that future he set out for himself. But my original bold prediction, which got declined, was Denard Span will be good. I don't know why Jim was so critical. I feel like that's all you need. Just move it on. All right. Uh, I think Denard Span is going to be good. I think he's not going to be great. I think he's. But he's a good bet. He's a solid bet. I think a lot of teams would like him, but his he's also expensive, so you don't really want him for that price. But whatever, he's here now. He's he it was it, it's it's sunk cost, and so I think you have to look at the the player. And I think he's he's expensive for the Rays. He costs eight million this year, and he has like a four mm-hmm. million buyout. That's I think not, a lot of teams. I think he's a lot of teams can absorb that cost. I just don't think a lot of teams would want to pay. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think he's expensive for the Rays, and I think he's too much for who he is for a lot of other teams. Um, but he's here. That's whatever. He got his money. Good for Denard Span. I, you know what? Hey, there's not enough money going to the players anyway. So, like, why? Let's, you know, let's, why not let's give him Denard that. Span? Yeah, Here's he deserves about it. Denard Span. He should have been in left field two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. He was on pace for a fantastic 2015 season that fell apart. And then the Giants continued to throw him to the Wolves in center field mm-hmm. again and again. And that was so outrageously unfair to uh, a, a great defensive outfielder who still has all of his speed. I, I mean, maybe uh, it takes him a hot second to get there. Uh, but I think his max there. speed is... is Based on you know what we've been seeing from him on the base pass and and, and some of the uh, replays and and you know watching the Statcast videos last season and everything that he had to show, he still is a very quick guy um, at his at his max. Mm-hmm. But you know he's kind of a little slow to get on the horse. 
So, okay, he should not be an everyday center fielder. He should have been in left field years ago, and now he's 34. So the expectations have to be different. And I think uh, a lot of people want to look at war as the as the end-all, be-all for outfielders, and I think that's fair. Uh, for Denard Spann, I think it's unfair how much uh, he's had to turn in these negative defensive grades. And I think moving him over to left field, uh, even though he'll be playing on turf, is going to rejuvenate. Also because I don't think he's going to be playing on turf every day. I think the Rays have done well to get some bench players uh, and and particularly to hold on to Malik Smith, who on certain days, uh, Brad Miller maybe shifts over to first base and mm-hmm. then Denard Span is the DH. And then Malik Smith comes off the bench and man's left field and gives that plus defensive look that's needed. So that, that was a complicated way of going about saying, I think Denard Span is... 50% left field, uh, maybe 25% to 50% uh, uh, on the designated hitter side. But I also think Denard Span is a good enough hitter that on this race team, and this is not ideal, but on this race team, which might score the fewest runs in baseball next season, he is good enough to hit uh, against both hands. He is a left-handed hitter. You 100% would expect him to be platooned. I don't think the Rays, uh, if they're trying to be good, if they're not tanking, can afford to not bat Denard Span against both sides. I think we're going to see Denard Span like 80% of games if he's healthy. So to me, that spells a good season. If the Rays are rolling him out there, that means things are going well. I think I think I agree with all of that. I think you just got to – I think he's a guy that is still has talent. He's not ancient. He's 34, which is old for a speedster, but he's still got the wheels, like you said. And I think with the Rays will put him in a good position to to succeed. And I think he's also somebody that I think Malik Smith is should look up to as well because he's a guy who has carved out a niche as a, you know, left-handed speedster guy who's been a little bit more than that. And so I think Malik's can do that potentially. And I think who better to learn from than a, than a really, really good Smart vet like Denard Span, who's also a local guy, so I think that's that's cool. Um, I'm rooting for him. I think he's he's gotten similar to Matt Duffy. It's sort of circumstantial hate that uh, that he doesn't really deserve. But no, I, th- mm-hmm. I think you're you're dead on in terms of of the plan. I think he'll he'll get plenty of rest, and but I think he's gonna you're gonna see Denard Span a lot, <laughs> whether you like it or not. You're gonna see <laughs> Denard Span. Yeah, probably leading off because number yep. – so interestingly, interestingly, you might think Kevin Kiermaier is the ideal leadoff man, but uh, whether you like it or not, the best hitter on the team will probably be Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, oh, hold on. If you go by the projections, Brad Miller is the best hitter on the Tampa Bay Rays. But – You're damn straight realistic. he is. Let's be realistic. <laughs> the best hitter on the team is now – also the best outfield defender in baseball, Kevin Kiermaier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's, there's much to, to talk about with Kevin Kiermaier. He's a treasure. He just needs to stay healthy. Um, he's yeah, had two, two really freakish injuries. Two really, really yeah. freakish injuries. He's not going to hairline fracture his hip. That causes yeah. him to just barely miss the gold glove qualification at game mm-hmm. 132 or wherever the cutoff was for voting. To, what a stupid rule. That they have to start judging it before an entire month of the season has ended. Why? Why are you? Why are you saying the last month of the year doesn't count toward the Gold Glove? He almost matched Byron Buxton's defensive run saved anyway. 
with <gasps> with a broken freaking hip. <laughs> God bless yeah. it. He's he's a it's a weird it's a weird dumb rule like a lot of there's a lot of baseball things that are just weird and strange and not a lot of doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Kevin Kiermaier, we're we're still on Kevin Kiermaier just because I think he he's kind of getting the injury lab, injury prone label. I don't think that's super fair. I think he's a very high hustle player who's going at a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent, whatever. Similar to Steven Souza, who who has already kind of injured himself in the spring with a, with a big dive, you know, going full out in spring training. I think yeah. it's hard that what makes these players so fun and so great is that they, they don't take plays off. They're just constantly at full motor. I think it also can be problematic for keeping healthy for sure. Um, I think Kevin Kiermeyer's two injuries though, are not things that you go, Oh, well that's, you know, it's going to happen. It's sort of like weird circumstantial things. So I think, Kevin Kiermeyer is awesome. Uh, he is a treasure, and if he plays a full season, I think you, I think there's only Mike Trout above him, uh, which shouldn't even count. So it's basically Kevin yeah. Kiermeyer as the best center fielder in the non uh, superhuman, non Mike Trout, Trout category. yeah, in the non superhuman like whatever. Because Acuna is still in the minors too, so we all win. Okay, so uh, the one thing I think we need to say about Kevin Kiermeyer though. Um, and I'm trying to remember which episode of This Week in Rays Baseball, the excellent podcast from Neil Solons that everyone should be listening to. And if you have not listened to it yet, turn this off and go listen to that first. It might have been Chad Matola. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was Q, the new third base coach. But uh, it, it was toward the beginning of the offseason. Uh, someone said to Neil, oh, it's it's Kevin Kiermaier's clubhouse now. Mm. And that statement has stuck with me. Because one of the more interesting things uh, for me this offseason has been kind of waiting for that moment where it actually felt like Kevin Kiermaier's clubhouse. Mm. Uh, I just don't think we're there yet. I don't think that's an indictment. I don't mean that as a negative, but I do think uh, the Rays have needed a veteran voice and presence in that clubhouse. And I and maybe also they. Uh, but I don't want to speak for any of the coaches in that regard, uh, might have been surprised that Kiermaier was not the guy to step into that void. Mm. Um, and and that speaks to another reason why I think the Rays are grateful for and uh, held on to Denard Span because he, from the beginning, uh, started displaying some veteran leadership skills that have been necessary. And also the guy that they have now found for right field has been able to fill that uh, vacuum, if you will, uh, in the clubhouse as well. Um, so I think one last aspect for Kevin Kiermeyer, he's got the long-term extension. He is uh, the good face of the franchise. He is the best defensive outfielder in baseball. Uh, he is the number two hitter on a team in the AL East. God bless it, dude. It's now time to be the team leader. So uh, I'm gonna. it's going to be interesting to see if this – happens at some point throughout the year because there are a lot of kids coming yeah uh and the other position where uh the kids might be coming in the near future uh is uh right field where Mm -hmm. carlos gomez is on a one-year deal absolutely yeah carlos gomez again another guy that's coming in as a sort of a short-term solution but a you know, an awesome pickup. I think it's that pickup where every time you start to think like, oh, are the Rays just tanking and they're just going to try to get a draft pick? Then they go out and sign Carlos Gomez and or you go out and do it. 
a Scott Boris client too. Yeah, that's that's always that's always impressive. But yeah, but I, I think Carlos- well, this was a player that the front office has been targeting uh, for a while. They've been saying we believe in Carlos Gomez. We like the type of player that he is, and he was blocked on the Rays roster by guys like Dickerson and Souza. And once the Souza trade happened, I think you really have to view it in concert with the availability Absolutely. and the eventual signing at a team-friendly four million dollars uh, of Carlos Gomez. Absolutely, yeah. He he is that is part of that Souza trade. It's it's much it's it's like when Stephen when Steve. Uh, Pierce was signed immediately after the exact amount of money went out uh, with Jake McGee. It's like, oh yeah, I see exactly where that earmark was. It was, it's, it's a part of the same deal, um, just as a separate deal. So Carlos Gomez, uh, really going to be an exciting player. Uh, any team he's going against hates him because he is, he is a personality. He is a huge personality, but every single clubhouse he's been on, you have had players who will go to the floor for him. So I think that's the type of guy Mm -hmm. he is. Maybe kind of like Jose Batista in that way where you're like, you know, you're with him uh, or you just absolutely can't stand him. And, and maybe like David Ortiz in that way too. Like, you know, you have these guys where you're like, wow, uh, when it's on your team, it's great. When it's not, Oh my God! You can't you can't wait to like throw a, a yeah. high and tight fastball to him. Um, but he has he has great bat flips. He has more like a bat spike drop thing. Um, yeah, but he's he a good really player. The mic. He's a he's he's a really good player. He's a very he, he's, solid. He's the older guy. version of Steven Souza. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, and if if this offseason were just the two moves of of Steven Souza and Jake Odorizzi, mm-hmm. uh, that in and of itself feels like a good solid raise off season move. You sell high on mm-hmm. Steven Souza Jr. You bring in necessary prospects that you're going to need, particularly Anthony Bonda, who is now going to be starting in AAA as the only insurance the race have left after all those Tommy Johns uh, to their top two pitching prospects. So uh, necessary and good. It's all the other chaos of the off season that screws everything up. But man, Carlos Gomez basically replicates all of the skills that Souza had. He's older, though. I mean, this is going to be his, I think, 12th year in the majors. He has a crazy amount of time, and he's a ridiculously fun player. He's going to add all the entertainment factor that you want out of this team. And I would agree, it also bucks the narrative of tanking. Because yeah. Yeah. It, it, it didn't have to be him out there. It's super easy to just sign, uh, well... We we can we can talk about him too because Carlos Gomez is is awesome. It could be a guy like Rob uh, Ref Snyder, and you can just throw okay. him out there. You can throw Johnny Field out there, and you can go, "Hey, we're trying out young guys." And honestly, you believe in Brandon Snyder, yeah, yeah, exactly. Jason Coates, come on down. You get a shot. Everybody gets a shot. Um, no, you sign Carlos Gomez because you wanted to trade Steven Souza at a high value because he is a guy that does get injured a lot. I love Steven Souza. Don't get me wrong, he does get injured a lot just by the nature of his play. And you get a guy that basically will give you Steven Souza like production and personality in a way, you know, big personality as well being fun for one year instead of two, because then you could still replace him with Justin Williams or some other prospect. Um, so yes, the Rays had a 25th man. He was coming out of the outfield. Um, we knew Malik Smith, if he was healthy, was there. Denard Span, Kevin Kiermaier and Carlos Gomez. Okay. The Rays had wanted a right-handed 
hitting outfielder. And made uh, no secret of it. That they were just basically saying, this is what we want. Jason Coates, they actually like. He's a little bit younger. He potentially has – he might – be something a little bit more than, yeah, than the organizational matter. Uh, he needed Tommy John yeah, uh, yeah. As, as a position player. He missed an entire year of baseball. Uh, the Rays clearly want him to get everyday reps, and they cut him earlier in camp than a lot of people expected. They thought he would make it down to the wire. Instead, Coates is going uh, to AAA to be an everyday dude and, and be available if injury calls. So Coates out, yes. Yeah, so I think that's a sign that uh, that Coates is thought of as more than just organizational fodder. I think they want to get him reps. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, so it came down to Brandon Snyder, a kind of journeyman uh, that Johnny Field, a journeyman younger guy um, who hasn't journeyed. He's just been here, um, but yeah. kind of already has that feeling. Great name, though. Um, and then – but the yeah, race, yeah. I, I think they just haven't really – I don't think they've really they've been always keeping that option open. And there's a lot of interesting mm-hmm. players. And I think we we wrote about it on the site. Uh, Trace Thompson from the Dodgers, who just got DFA'd himself. Um, he was an interesting option for a right handed bat. I actually really liked him. I was a big fan of him as well. If you were a betting man, you would have put money on the Rays getting Trace Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think also a guy like Rob Ref Snyder, we kind of joked at the beginning that I'm, I'm his hype man. I think he is interesting. I think he's worth a bet. I also think he is the 25th man for a reason. And I don't think he's he is the next. I'm I'm, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to die on the hill of Brad Miller, is but I'm not going to die on every. That's the question. I am not going to die on the hill of every marginal player. I swear. I am not a champion for all these guys. But Brad Miller is awesome. He is good. He's going to be the Mike Zunino is good of, of D-Rays Bay. Bring it back. Um, Bring it back. Bring it back. Why okay. do you believe in Rob Ref Snyder? Uh, I think I believe in the bet. Uh, let's just say that. I don't necessarily believe in the player, but I believe in the bet. He is a guy who has high pedigree of, of being a top prospect. A lot of that is Yankees. Uh, like helium. I think Yankees prospects get a little unnatural helium in their prospect status. I think he got a little bit of that, but he has hit a lot. He's not a big power guy, but he hits a ton. He's hit every level of the minor leagues in the minor leagues. That's the big key in very, you know, limited major league appearances over the course of three seasons in sparse playing time. He is not hit really at all. He's been very, not good. Um, he's mm-hmm. did, did a little bit with Toronto that wasn't terrible, but it still wasn't that good. And and he hasn't been good in the majors, but that's why he's available for cash. That That's why he's available. And you take that shot because you had the Cleveland Indians as a team who were also smart that, that decided, let's give him a shot. Let's try him out. It came down to the last day of camp. Uh, and they couldn't find a spot for him. So so then they tried to pass him through waivers. The Rays picked him up. And so the Rays are going to give him a shot. He's a right-handed bat who has hit a ton every level of the minor leagues. He has not hit in the majors. He might be something. He probably will be nothing. But this is a bet that if you're looking at, okay, Jose Batista, who I mentioned, who is coming off of a horrible year, to maybe you bounce him back and give him some DH time. Maybe he's okay. Maybe he picks up a, a strain hammy because he's old. And Or in this season where you're only really projected to be right around 500, you're competitive but not really. You're kind of really looking for the future. Why not try Rob Ref Snyder? 
Um, so I don't know if I just try to exercise. Yeah, it's it's not that I believe that Rob Ref Snyder is good. It's that why not try a guy like Rob Ref Snyder, who has done a lot as a prospect, who was once considered a real prospect, a big time prospect. Yep. Who is available for nothing and you can cut for nothing if he doesn't work out. You bring him into camp, you give him a shot. Just like Ryan Schimpf, you give him a shot, whatever. No, like it doesn't matter. You give Johnny Field a shot like a, a couple weeks into the season if you want. Give Brandon Snyder, a, you know, I don't know. Give him no, a Snyder, Snyder was an interesting uh, idea because they were trying him out in the outfield. Uh, but Ref Snyder, the guy who's winning this 25th man job, is interesting to me because he has been uh, primarily an infielder at the major league level, and he really profiles as an outfielder. Cleveland had him in camp as an outfielder and uh, as seeing that as his natural position, and the Rays are acquiring him to be an outfielder as well. A lot of articles that are, are kind of just breaking the news and being like, oh, uh, the Rays acquire Rob Snyder for cash considerations. It has like a 2B next to his name. And mm-hmm. that's not necessarily true, although he's done that the most. And maybe you want to call him infield outfield just because uh, you know that he has yep. an ability to play the infield. And that is a plus. But I, I think uh, one of the important things for him will be the consistency of knowing exactly who he is. This is a 27 year old player who's who's lived the prospect life. He's bounced around a couple years now. He also had a trip to Toronto in the middle there. So Yankees. Toronto and then in camp with the Cleveland Indians. And now he's to the Rays. Uh, this is a guy who now will be able to say, this is your role. This is your job. Here's your opportunity. We need you to be a right-handed hitting outfielder. Uh, mm-hmm. Please go and do it. You've got no pressure. You don't have to win us over your options. You're here. Yeah. This is your role. Please fill it. And JT Morgan kind of shared with the rest of the masthead, uh, uh, some steamer projections using weighted runs creation uh, created plus uh, Coates is projected to 76. So 24% below average uh, Brandon Snyder, 78 WRC plus Johnny field 70. That is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Trace Thompson, who we all wanted 75. Yep. Uh, I mean, he, and also recovering from back surgery. And then yes. <laughs> Rev Snyder, uh, 90. So we at least have a, a projection of saying, okay, he's at least close to major league average on a projection and maybe in a platoon role, he can kind of play that up. So I'm excited for that. I'm also excited about uh, who he is as, as just a good dude. Uh, he served mm-hmm. in the Dominican mm-hmm. this off season. Uh, he's involved with, already involved in charities in the city of Tampa. Uh, which is crazy in and of itself. Uh, it, it kind of a somewhat nice homecoming now to to let him play where he's already serving a community. And we can dive more into that on the site. Uh, check out the Morning Links article that Darby is about to write. Um, but I think Ref Snyder is a good pickup, a safe pickup. And I think uh, it, I, I mean, it's the right kind of move that a rebuilding team, which the Rays are, should be making. Um, on the positional side, on the positional side, there are two players we have not discussed, um, and we are going to hit them very briefly. And before we do, uh, because this has been a long show, I just want to say, uh, we are not going to talk about pitching today. Uh, please forgive us. Uh, this is, uh, uh, a really fun podcast. I think we've, we've, we've had a nice go of it, but we don't exactly know what's going on with the pitching. 
Uh, and I think it's going to take watching on television to figure it out as well. Chris Archer's out there. Uh, his ERA may never come down. Blake Snell is going to try and go out there and pitch like his old self uh, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, sorry from late 2017, which I guess is the new new self, new Snelf. Can't even say it. Nathan Evaldi is going to try self. new things. <laughs> new Snelf is, uh, is not going to be a thing. I'm just going to say that right now. But Blake Snell is going to be, I think, that's not even a bold prediction. I think Blake Snell's the pitcher, the starting pitcher to watch of all the team. That's the guy you tune into every single time he's on on the mound. This year, I, can I don't it. think it's even that bold. He is, he is the must-watch television. Jake Furry is going to be the fourth starter. Uh, Jake Furry, who's falling apart all spring, and then in his final spring outing, pitched six no-hit innings and then hit his pitch count, whatever. He, he had a pretty good... Previous one too. He he's 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 ramped up at the end of the season. I think he'll be okay. You have Avaldi who's pitching yeah. fast, and then you have the fourth four man rotation. Blah blah blah. That's we've written a lot. Four man rotation, it, eight man bullpen. There's a lot to I dig think it's in. Be fine. I think it's we need to give it uh, some time to talk about it. So uh, let's save that for the next uh, the next pod. Um, the last two guys we need to talk about are the battery behind home plate. And can yes. you believe it's the two players we're not worried about? Yeah, yeah. Catcher of all things um, is yeah. It's I think a great one too. Jesus Sucre was shockingly like really quite good as a backup catcher. Um, works well with the the pitchers, and then you have Wilson Ramos, who last year maybe wasn't as exciting as we were kind of hoping, but he was also we got a lot more of Wilson Ramos than we really should have. He he is yeah. a guy coming back from a major, major, major injury, a torn ACL for a catcher. That's they use that ACL a lot. That's the that's a ligament that's mm-hmm. used quite a bit by a catcher, and it really is a big thing. And he came back. He is a beast. His Instagram is just only him working out and just being a, an absolute <laughs> real buffalo, basically. Um, well, Sucrase is just pictures of his new Jeep, so you should follow that, too. <laughs> we have some some interesting social media stars at the catcher position. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think uh, you have a guy like Wilson Ramos who, again, similar to almost Matt Duffy, we, we acquired him, and then we haven't really seen the real him yet. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of forget like, oh, yeah, he's he's now this guy that wasn't that good. Wilson Ramos <laughs> was before that ACL injury, perennially a very, very good catcher, occasionally right. all star level catcher like that. Yeah. Like that was the thing. He was at a pendulum of good to amazing. So I think Wilson Ramos is really exciting to see now another year past his injury, another year of recovery. Um one more year with the Rays, potentially. The Rays have a lot of money to spend, and catcher is the one spot that we really don't have. Like you have Wilson mm-hmm. Ramos and you have Hazel Sucre. They're not placeholders right now. They're, I mean, they're right. kind of holding a place, but there's nobody, nobody waiting to take that table. There is, so they're, they can eat as long as they want. They can sit there. Nobody's, you know, hustling them out of the restaurant. There's no pressure. Um, they're there, and. Also, I'll go around a second. The chairs around them. Yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah. Exactly. Just you guys take your time. It's all good. You want to see the dessert menu? <laughs> the there. It's weird to have catcher be the one position where you're like, all right, cool, set it and forget it type of thing. And yeah, I think they're both they're both good. There's not really much to say, but I do think Wilson Ramos is a guy that I think Rays fans maybe are thinking ho hum, but. Mm-hmm. 
remember, this was the year that they signed him for. Last year was, yeah. eh, you know, it whatever, maybe second yeah. half he does something. But that's why they signed Derek Norris, and that's why they had, like, you know, that, that was sort of a year of, like, uh, I don't know, we'll try to as many things throw it at the wall as possible. But Wilson Ramos was signed for this year, for starting. Yeah. And and he's going to get the majority of the starts. I think Sucre, as if he is still as good as he was last year, which is which was definitely better than we expected. I think he'll get a couple starts in his own right. He'll he'll carve out his niche. If he isn't, I think Wilson Ramos gets more time. But I'm yeah. excited to see the return of maybe the real Buffalo. All right, final thought before uh, we end this podcast and land the plane. How many wins? If you had to guess right now, because this is probably our our only pod running before opening day, yes. and before we see this uh, mishmash of veterans who used to be good and players who used to be good, and uh, a bunch of injury risk being piled on top of uh, dudes who did not perform well recently. Even the guys who did perform well, like Carlos Gomez, only performed in Globe Life Park and couldn't perform on the road. Uh, there's a lot of really weird things that have been happening. Yeah. So when you when you look at this Frankenstein roster, uh, that is is what the Rays will be fielding in a rebuilding year, anticipating several prospects uh, stealing away these veteran spots, either uh, through free agency or pushing them out. Uh, how many wins are the Tampa Bay Rays going to win? I. I think, again, is the high variance team, but yeah. I would put it, I'll put it right at 80 and 82. I feel like the Rays really like finishing 80 and 82. Kevin, Kevin Cash has done that half of the time he's been here. Uh, or actually two thirds of the time he's been here. So if he does it again, it'll be three quarters of the time he's been here. So I think mm-hmm. 80 and 82 flirting with 500 finishing, uh, I think fourth, in the division, I think is my 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 safe bet. But I think this is a team that has a pretty high variance. I think if the kids come up, they do well. I think this is a team that could be playing meaningful games in September. I really, really do think that. I think they could also be, you know, a lot worse um, potentially. But I think they have a, a nice baseline to, to have that variance of like five, six wins either way. I'll put it right at 80 and 82. So just a game under 500. I don't know, man. It's a really weird offseason. I definitely think that this Rays roster is going to be a very low-run scoring offense. I think that uh, it's also going to be a very strong defense. And defense wins championships in basketball, supposedly. But then Florida State lost uh, in the Elite Eight. So I I don't even know how much we can stand by that uh, uh, tried-and-true phrase. it's gonna it's gonna be ugly, uh, but it'll be quick. I think it's gonna it's gonna be quick and dirty because if the <laughs> team is not scoring, these games are gonna fly by. Just think about it. We're gonna have so many Rays games like under three hours. I am salivating. Uh, the offense is not gonna score much. You're and welcome, I think it, Rob Manfred. It, it's all gonna come down to uh, the defense and the pitching experiment and. It's hard to say how much that experiment is going to work. I am more comfortable uh, slapping a 77 win total, maybe even less. 
because I just have serious doubts, uh, particularly in the first half, that this team will be able to win games even within the division. I think a lot of it's going to fall apart, and it, it, it might be an ugly season. Now, it is much uh, easier to pick uh, the, <laughs> the, the low road and then be pleasantly surprised at uh, how well things turn out. So perhaps the Rays are catching lightning in a bottle at seven of those nine positions, and it's all going to be awesome, and, and, and I'll take it. And perhaps this uh, Rays experiment of um, rolling with a four-man rotation it works like a charm. Or maybe they named just a dang fifth starter uh, at the end of eight weeks, and all my fears that they're just tugging all these uh, prospects uh, back and forth between Durham and the majors and and, and ruining their rest and all, all that stuff will will totally just dissipate, and, and this will be a fine team. And if that happens, if it, if it becomes a more normal team, I'm with you. 80 wins is fine. But I, I have serious fears that uh, – <laughs> This will be the strangest Pythag record in baseball. So um, I am a pessimist this year, and I'm sure that surprises everyone listening. Uh, but I think it'll be okay. I think, if anything, we'll have narrative, and it will be compelling to see uh, which veterans perform, which positions succeed, and which prospects show up. So that's our off-season recap slash season preview. Darby, take us home. Yes. I think it, no matter what, it's going to be interesting. And I think that's that's fun. That's more fun than just bland and boring, right? Just tell yourselves that. Hold yourself. Keep yourself warm with that at night. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us on all the social media. Give us a uh, review on iTunes. That apparently is a huge thing that is important for uh, for podcast things i don't know just do it i i that's what people that's what people say so just Dustin do it says review the podcast. you know you want to review it he said it i why not just do it come on don't you like us our just, producer just needs you to like us it's it's important to him so it's important to us just don't have to do it for me obviously just do it don't have to do it for danny do it for dustin I, I definitely don't need you to come like on. me <laughs> all right and please keep listening we do actually danny doesn't want you to like him but uh i do i'm desperate for um people to to love us so uh please continue to listen and listen to us rant and ramble and also check out the site dra's bay we're gonna have a lot of opening day coverage coming down the pipe lots of fun stuff so tons and tons of things to read uh and just kind of you know take your mind off of uh work because who needs that? Uh, for Dustin in the studio, for Danny, then Darby, and we will see you next time on The Hit Show.